All right, today's podcast, we are going to be talking about the church and community. Um, I, I think a lot of churches and a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what community is in relation to the church. So we are going to actually look at uh, the definition of a community and then kind of connect that with the church and discuss what that actually means for the church. So um, first of all, I think it's important for us to know that everybody longs for community. I don't think uh, there's anybody out there that really doesn't long for community. You know, maybe they act like they don't want to be part of the community, but that's probably just because they haven't found a community that they fit in with yet. And so communities often revolve around similar likes and interests. And so you can find communities like in small towns that um, kind of surround around maybe the local football team or the local basketball team. That is a community. There's also communities that form around like video games and clothing styles, especially, you know, within social media, you kind of find these sub communities uh, surrounding different things of social interests. Even cryptocurrency has a sort of a community around it, right? Different uh, cryptocurrencies have different types of community. Um, and within those communities, um, they share information, they provide certain information to the community that they might not share to the rest of the world. They, they share in experiences among different things. So communities typically revolve around, you know, something that is similar of interest and uh, they feel like a connectiveness as part of that community. And so you actually see that in the New Testament church, and, and that's really what made the New Testament church so attractive, is that these communities, you know, that were once, you know, really, you know, out for selfish gain, whether it was friendship or money or whatever, right? And we, I actually talked about that in a previous podcast. When Jesus entered the scene, these communities actually started revolving around Jesus and Christians started acting different, looking different, sounding different. And that was really, really attractive to the early first century, second century church because it was, it was so unique that there were these group of people that were coming together as a community with uh, the same belief, similar interests, and it was not for selfish reasons, but it was to bring glory to God through Jesus. It was just super attractive. And, and we don't really see that a whole lot today. I, I think we do see, you know, kind of what I would call it counterfeit communities within the church. You know, I think traditional churches have actually taken away from you know, authentic local Christian community. Because what we have now are, are we have all of these churches that because their main goal based on their structure is to attract people, they actually start pulling people out of other communities, not only just like local communities, but also local church. And they start pulling people you know, from one community into another community. And so what ends up happening you know, is Christians all over the United States actually leave their community of influence to go to another thing that the church has dubbed community, but it really isn't because most of the time and most of the people within that community, you only see, you know, either on just that Sunday or uh, church organized events. You know, you're not actually doing life together. And then you go back to your community where you live and you don't get involved because you've been trained that your community is your church community, but really it's just counterfeit. You really don't know that much about the people there. Now, maybe there's one or two people that you do, but for the most part, uh, you really don't 
know the people that go to church. You don't know your church leaders all that well personally. You don't know their nitty gritty stuff. You, you've not entered the chaos of most of their lives, which what a true community really needs. And so when you look at the, the New Testament church, I, I think one of the big reasons that we see community in the first and second century church and then you know in the new testament church is because the church structure was a very decentralized structure they did not have one particular place that they called church they did not have one particular location where they all gathered at the same time every week they literally viewed the church as all of the believers in one area where the North American church is a very centralized structure where there's one place that we go and call church. There's one place where we go and call worship and there's one place where we go to commune with our fellow believers. And, and so there are two very different types of models that we see a, a decentralized church in the new testament and a centralized church in north america and, and i keep pointing at north america because although there are you know churches around that world you know that reflect a north american church for the most part that's not the case uh, north america is very unique in the sense of how their church operates a majority of churches overseas function much more like a community, especially in those countries where it is illegal to share the gospel. And so we just have a unique perspective here. And, and I don't think our perspective is correct um, because com the community function was really the major defining characteristic of the new church in the New Testament. And, and so I think the question that we have to ask is what is a community, right? So let's look at the Webster Dictionary a definition of a community. So the Webster Dictionary says that a community is a unified body of individuals and is, in the present context, a group of people who have the same interests, religion, race, etc. And so a community in the context of the church in North America, a community is a group of people who have the same faith and read the same Bible and believe in the same God, and believe in the same teachings, worship the same God. And so that is critically important for us to understand when we are stepping into quote-unquote church activities. And what I'm going to share with you is, is pretty controversial. In fact, I actually got fired from a church uh, for teaching this, and I still stand on my belief that this is what Scripture teaches. So if that is the definition of community, and we look at Acts 2, 42 through 46, and, and that is what the, the Christian community looks like. And if we look at the definition of church, which we've talked about uh, previously, I believe. But if not, the term for church in every case in scripture is ecclesia um, or some form of it, you know, meaning the same thing. And ecclesia, what that actually means is the called out ones or the called out ones to God. And, and so the ecclesia, the church, which this term is used anytime the scriptures in the New Testament talk about the church is the word ecclesia, the called out ones called out to God, called out to be separate from the world. We have to realize what that actually means. And so I'd like to ask you guys a question. How many of you have been to a church service 
and you have been um, encouraged to invite your non-believing friends to church. You've been encouraged to invite your non-believing friends to come to the ecclesia. Okay, I'm gonna imagine if you're a believer and you've been at a church for any amount of time, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that most of you have heard that from stage at one point and another or or another right but think about that ask and, and ask yourself does it even make sense and so you are being asked or encouraged to invite your non-believing friends into a community of people made up of those who worship god believe in jesus have the same faith, read the same Bible, and believe the same teachings. And you're being asked to invite a non-believer into that. Do you see the problem with that no longer being community or no longer being the church? Because if the church is, as the Webster Dictionary describes, is a community of people, so a community of believers, why would you invite a non-believer into that community and still call it church? So we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of the church gathering, right? Because we know the church is the body of Christ. So that means any gathering of the church is a gathering of believers. And so the primary function of the church is what we see in Acts 2, right? It's teaching other believers how to become mature, how to spread the gospel, how to make disciples, you know, taking communion together, eating together, fellowshipping together, meeting each other's needs. It is the church functioning like the church within itself. It does not make any sense to invite a non-believer to a believer's service, right? It's not going to make any sense to them. Put yourself in their shoes. You're, you're inviting somebody who doesn't believe in God to a surface service that only preaches about God and often preaches things that only Christians would understand or that only apply to Christians. You're asking them to either sing songs to a God they don't believe in or stand there silent. You're asking them to give money to a church and a God that they don't understand or not give and feel awkward. And you're asking them to come, you know, to sometimes upwards of thousands of people that have nothing in common. It makes absolutely no sense because that's not what the church is designed for. The church is designed for believers only. So you might be asking yourself, okay, well then how do non-Christians hear about Jesus. That's where the problem is with the structure of the North American church. Because it is designed like a business, it does not actually teach the body of Christ how to go out and spread the gospel and make disciples. Because it can't. Because if they actually start doing that, then they're going to realize that what they've been given as a responsibility as the pastor of the church actually is now being you know, given to the rest of the body. And there's a fear that their position is no longer necessary. So you ask, how do non-believers hear about Jesus? That's our job. That is our call to go out into the world and share the gospel and make disciples. Now, if your church is gathering as a local body and you go out and you share the gospel with somebody and they accept Jesus, man, invite them to that believer's gathering. They don't need to be mature they just need to come to Jesus because non-believers do not belong in a community of believers. Now, that's not saying, you know, we don't welcome them there if they come. If they do happen to show up, right, then, you know, we want to welcome them in. But 
there's no it doesn't make any sense to invite them in because that's not what a church is and it's not what a church is meant to do because again going back to community and what is a community it is a unified body of individuals and in this context a group of people who have the same interests faith and beliefs in God and Jesus Christ why it, it doesn't make any sense to invite somebody that doesn't meet those criteria into that community. They're not going to become part of that community because they're there. It is the church's responsibility, and I say church as the body of Christ, to go out into the world. In Matthew 28, Jesus does not say, therefore, go talk to your friends and bring them to church so the pastor can make disciples out of them and teach them what they need. No, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We are called to go out into the world, into the nations, and spread the gospel and make disciples. We are not called to bring non-believers into a church gathering. In fact, if you look at scripture and you look at any time Jesus had a large crowd of people that, you know, he was unsure if they were saved or unsaved, it, it was a gospel message and it was an extremely hard gospel message. The hardest message that he ever preached um, was when he said that anybody, you know, but he has to follow me, you know, he needs to you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he didn't explain himself after that either. And what ended up happening is the large crowd that was, most of them all turned away. And then he looks at his disciples and say, are you guys going to leave too? Because you no, know, these are hard teachings. This is hard. It's hard to follow me. Jesus had no intention of watering down the gospel to get all of those people to follow him. But what have we done today in many churches in North America? We have attempted to make the gospel pleasing and acceptable to the masses. Exactly opposite of what Jesus attempted to do. Because Jesus was not interested in saving just everyone. What Jesus wanted to do was save those who would be committed to him. Now, those that understood who he was and put their faith in them and accepted them and continued to do whatever, like he still would save them. But that wasn't his desire. His desire wasn't to save us so we could go to heaven. His desire was to save us so we will have our sins forgiven and we can live in eternity with him, bringing the Father glory by spreading the gospel message. That was his intent. His intention of salvation is not salvation for salvation's sake. That is why the scripture teaches us that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And when somebody is your Lord, like you commit to them and you follow them, um, and you do what they ask you to do, and you want to you want people to view them in the best possible way. And so you do everything you can, you know, for people to view the Lord in a positive light. And and most people, because of the structure of the church and the preaching that takes place, what happens is they they want to accept Jesus as their savior, but they're not really interested in accepting Jesus as their Lord. And and, and so I think a lot of this boils down to the structure that we're using in the church is modeled after a business. It's not modeled after scripture. And so the gospel gets watered down, you know, certain messages aren't taught, and that leads to a very flimsy faith by most people within the church. And so I, I hope this makes a lot of sense for you guys today. I know it probably was maybe some new information, maybe a little challenging to hear, but we need to remember that the church is the word ecclesia, which is 
a, a body of called out ones to God, called out from the world. So anytime we gather as the church, there's no, it makes no sense to invite non-believers to that because they have nothing in common with that group. We got to go out into the world, spread the gospel, make disciples, and then God will build the church. And so I want to really encourage you to, to look at the church that you're part of and ask yourself these really, really important questions. Is our church the Ecclesia church or is it the American church? Is our church, you know, intentionally focused on believers and building them up and teaching them how to go out into the world and be like Jesus? Or is our church focused on bringing in non-believers and getting them to follow Jesus? And although that sounds like a great task, that's not what the church is meant to do in the in the organ in the, like the coming together perspective. That's what we're called to do out in the world not bring them together into our meetings. So I hope that makes sense, guys. If you guys have any questions or, or want to discuss that with me, you know, please email me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. Uh, you can always go to uh, my website and download some training material at www.bethechurch.training. And I thank you guys so much uh, for listening to this podcast. If you have not already, uh, follow this podcast, share this podcast uh, so we can get this message out. I appreciate you guys. And until next time.